Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Jessica Pan. Jessica is the author of Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come. Now, I found a couple of different subtitles for the book. One is An Introvert's Year of Living Dangerously, and the other is One Introvert's Year of Saying Yes. So I'll let you decide which you prefer. This may seem like a little bit of a departure from a quote-unquote architecture show, but Jessica's book came as a suggestion for our Context and Clarity book club because there are so many introverts in the world of architecture. Anytime we talk about networking or presentations or public speaking, sometimes even marketing, there are always people that raise their hands saying, yeah, but what if you're an introvert? So we read Sorry I'm Late for the book club back in May, and now we've had the author, Jessica Pan, as our guest on Context and Clarity Live. Wouldn't it be great if we could get all of our book club authors onto Context and Clarity Live? Are you listening, Simon Sinek? Anyway, several people in our community were so inspired that they actually took action based on Jessica's book. That's really cool, and it's actually fairly rare. 
So it was a thrill to talk to this confirmed introvert about going out on a limb and making the most of every situation, comfortable or not. Catherine McPhail joined me once again for the conversation with Jessica Pan and as well as backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and podcaster now in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Dimios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Jessica Pan, author of Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come. I enjoyed talking with Jessica. I know it was um, outside of her comfort zone. Uh, as if you've read the book, you probably understand that. But um, if if for nothing else, the number of people in our community, we've, we've never had this sort of reaction to any of the uh, Context and Clarity book club books that we've read before. There's quite a number of people in the community that have um, have talked about the book and taken action on the book and recommended the book to other people. So if for nothing else, I'm glad that we were able to talk to Jessica for that reason so that we could, uh, I, I, you know, so that we could say thank you to her for the book. So that was, that was fun. That was nice. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, uh, talk to various people and see how their messages can impact our business or how we can use it in our business. And it seems like she had bad social anxiety, which did interfere a little bit with her job. And now she's improved in that and, you know, pretty much better. So it makes total sense. The whole book, her whole, everything she did makes, makes sense. If I look at it that way, like she was trying to get over social anxiety and those of us who have, you know, various social anxieties, we can take, um, we can take what she did and kind of kind of try to do it ourselves. And it's always fun to try to push push the boundaries of what you're willing to do, I think. Yeah, and and I guess maybe I should have set this conversation up in this way. If you if you haven't read the book, mm-hmm. um there are a couple of different subtitles that I've found for it depending on you know when you google it what pops up first, but one subtitle so the title is Sorry I'm Late, I didn't want to come. One subtitle is An Introvert's Year of Living Dangerously. And then another subtitle that I found is An Introvert's Year of Saying Yes. So whichever you want to go by. But basically, um, Jessica went through and found things that she didn't want to do, essentially. Things that extroverts do social things that extroverts do. And she did those for a year and then documented those into the book. And it's a great read. It's a funny read. Um, sometimes it's a touching read. Uh, and um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading the book. But I think, you know, the point that you make is a really good one. There are a lot of people in our community, myself included, who are introverts. And when we first started talking to Jessica today, she she talked about the fact that you know she had she had been using i don't i don't know that she used i was trying to remember the word she actually used i don't think she said excuse or crutch but she was basically saying hey i'm an introvert i can't do that you know she was using 
her introvertedness to avoid things, basically. And with as many introverts as we have in the profession and certainly in our community, I think that's a pretty powerful message. Hey, you know what? Um, we may be avoiding things just because we are quote unquote an introvert. And that may not be helping us in social context, in professional, in business context. And I, you know, when she said that, that, that really, that really hit me because as I said, you know, I, and we've talked about this before on, on, uh, in these conversations, I essentially haven't left my basement in three years and I'm back to the point where I don't know that I've really thought about that way where I'm using my introvertedness to avoid doing things, but I've gotten really comfortable in my basement. And I know on some level that's not, not good for my business. Certainly, you know, not being out there and talking to people and meeting people, you know, doing these things. And, and, you know, there may be other effects. And we talked about that a little bit too, is, you know, what about everybody that's been, that's gone through the pandemic and, and, um, been disconnected from people, you know, what's, what's the effect of that? So that's, that's one of the reasons I really like this book. It's, and talking with Jessica's encouragement to get back out there and to do things and exercise um, those social muscles, I guess. So in the book, I interview a few psychologists and different mentors along the way. And um, I think the, the biggest influential one was Nicholas Epley. And he's the one who gave me that great line, you know, nobody waves, but everybody waves back um, because I was afraid of initiating contact with people. And I actually talked to him about this a little bit. And he said that he, I mean, he was like, basically said it was terrible for people and their mental health and just, yeah, awful for it. And I think that we see that with like, I think when schools were shut down, like a lot of like teenagers and kids are struggling and things like that. And yeah, I think that it's really weird when the pandemic first happened or when there was like a lockdown, everything was closed and you had to stay home. I was, you know, I was fortunate enough that at that point, I, you know, I didn't know anyone had the virus. I was just at home with my husband. It was fine, actually. Like it was, I didn't mind it. At the, like I missed seeing my family and traveling and all that stuff. And it was upsetting all that. But like being at home with just us was obviously like, I think introverts can thrive that way. And it was, it was totally fine because I was working on this big creative project. Um, but then over time, it slowly drove me crazy. And even I was like, Oh my God, if, if it was like this or Glastonbury, I would probably do Glastonbury because I was just, I did become people starved after a while. Um, I was like longing to overhear a really stupid conversation, which normally annoys me eavesdropping. You know, I'd love to like go to a bad party because I didn't really go anywhere for like a year or over a year um, at all. And I, I was desperate for that connection. The introvert who usually hates that stuff. I'm hearing people talk about the pandemic. I think I think I might have changed a little bit after that. Like I unplugged from people and I don't want to plug back in. So I don't know whether that means I'm having like a mental health issue or I never really wanted to be plugged in in the first place, but I thought I should have been. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I just, when she was talking about how she'd like to talk to the baristas for a couple of minutes because she wanted to connect and she was really craving that, I have not felt that craving at all. So I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about that, but I, but I will talk to anybody i'm not not shy at all but i just don't want to be around people in the biggest way yeah yeah well obviously it's different for everybody i mean all personalities and such but 
But I think one of the things that I realized is, you know, I, I mention this all the time because I, I, you know, I think it just helps frame it a little bit, but I, I spent several years going to a lot of conferences, talking in person with a lot of people, sometimes individually, sometimes groups, et cetera. And I, I know that I had to build up to that. And, and I know, I know the effect, right? I, when I, if I'm going to go speak, um, for instance, I, I spoke at AI national about a month ago and that one was particularly hard for me because I hadn't been in a room speaking in front of that many people for a while, hadn't been to a conference definitely of that size for a while, but I didn't have the opportunity to wind down or recover the way, you know, if I, if I go keynote this this conference, usually what happens is I can speak and then, you know, you can, you can kind of mingle and meet and greet for a few minutes and then you can disappear until the next thing that you need to do. I didn't have that opportunity in Chicago and that, that was very hard for me. Um, let alone the fact that it's, Hey, I'm just getting back in the swing of, of this type of thing. But, um, you know, we, Again, pe different people deal with it in different ways. And I realized that pre-pandemic, I had kind of built up to that, you know, gotten used to doing those things and going to those events and speaking and meeting people and all of that. And it was super easy for me when things shut down to go, oh, okay, I'm just meeting people with Zoom, which is fantastic different, you know, it opens a lot of doors and, um, you know, to, to talk to people in different places and time zones and, and such. And, and I'm at that point now where it's okay. I'm actually evaluating. Do I want to, do I need to go out to conferences and, and get back on that, that train or whatever the analogy is? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure about that. There's obviously pros and cons to all of it, but um, yeah, I'm, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think I missed it as much as, as Jessica did, you know, when she wanted to go, um, you know, wanted to go every day to the, uh, the cafe and talk to the barista for two minutes. Uh, I don't think I missed it on that level. Um, I, I did it. I, I know I felt at some points I need to, I need to see people, but, um, but I think that's an evaluation for all of us. What's, What's it going to be like? You know, I think things have, have changed significantly. Well, what do we want it to be like? I mean, maybe we never stopped to think about it before. We just did, but we thought. I think that's a really good point. I I, I know this happens. I, I, I know I let this happen. You know, I let my, I let things evolve a lot of times and just sort of ride a wave, go, go along in a certain direction. Maybe kind of ironic when a lot of my business is, is strategy and strategic planning and things, but um, but I know I'm guilty of, of letting, letting things happen without necessarily, a lot of times I'll evaluate, do I like this or do I not? But it's, it was the talking head songs. <laughs> how, how did I get here? Um, <laughs> do I want to be here? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a hundred percent healthy. Do we want, is this what we want it to be like? Because I, I think you have that, that, uh, that ability, that power now, um, as people continue to figure things out, 
what do you want it to be? Yeah, and the, it's not what we're talking about today, but I, I think that's the, the great resignation has to 100%. do with that too, people thinking about what they really want out I, of their I think lives. That's you the, know? the big, probably the biggest driver behind that. Well, one chapter in her book where she's in the improv group, I mean, I, I feel like uh, improv is it's helpful to have that skill because if you're, it makes you more able to adapt to other people's ideas you know, be open to other people's ideas and say yes to things as, what is the rule of improv? Yes, and. Yes, yeah, and. Everything is yes, and. There's never a but and there's never a no. So if you say, yeah, if you're, if you're always saying yes, and in your business life, you can open yourself up to a lot new, a lot of new possibilities instead of just being, this is the way I wanted to do it. And why aren't people doing it my way? You know, I think just having those skills would seem like, uh, let's see, ideas grow and flow and you get flexibility and it just makes for a better, a more adaptable business, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, there were several things that she did. The improv, the stand-up comedy, the, um, what was the, the te the tennis, um, vul vulnerability, oh, yeah, vulnerability tennis. Vulnerability tennis. I think we're, we're, it was uh, basically a class on having deeper conversations. All three of those things off the top of my head, n not that any or many of us are going to try any of those, but all three of the, the skills involved with all three of those are, could be super helpful in the professional environment. hundred percent agree with the improv. I mean, think, think about, think about brainstorming and shredding and things like that, that happen right in, in the architectural world all the time. Yes. And is a, is a, an extremely powerful tool in that context. Yeah. In that context. Um, stand-up comedy there, there's different styles certainly that people have but good comics are some of the best communicators and some of the best storytellers in the world and so if you can develop some of those skills that's incredibly helpful and then the um the vulnerability tennis the ability to have deeper conversations um you know when when you start talking to a client interviewing a client, trying, trying to put together a program and understand what they need and what they really want, all of those things. If you could have deeper conversations and develop more empathy and understanding for those clients and the needs of those clients, you're going to be a better architect at the end of the day. So, um, th those were a few of the things that she did that really stood out to me as, um, so, some really really things that would be really beneficial. Um, now do you, do you have to go out and, and, um, take an improv class or do improv? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I think you do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, why not? It could help and, and really get you to, uh, be doing it. Whereas you think you might be a flexible, open person, but maybe it's not quite what you think. You're not reacting quite the way. I, I mean, I my kids did improv when I, they were homeschooling, and I, I do find it kind of terrifying. So I don't know that I'd be able to go do that. But they um, just watching how they all work. If I think improv is fascinating myself, and I know you love comedians yeah. and the storytelling. I love storytelling, so I do love the comedians who who tell the stories, like Mike Brabiglia. He's he's just super, he's just very funny and also a great storyteller. So I love listening to him. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with the improv, I think about that. Absolutely terrifying because you've got to think on your feet. You've got to think qu quickly. 
but it's this combination. Mm-hmm. It, I, to me, I think it's the requirement to really let go. You know, you may be you may be holding some idea as sacred, but you've got to let go. You've got to let go of everything, and then think creative or, or think creatively. You know, bring the creativity into it. Um, I think it's especially challenging, but again, it, it's the the ability to go in and and brainstorm or charrette a project with with the client or, or you know whatever however you're working that could be a huge game and it's it's um i used to work with a guy that talked about the the best idea wins and it's it's not even that right it's building and building and building and building that's what improv is it's building and you know the premise of of never saying but and never saying no because those kill the conversation that kills the flow mm-hmm. of the ideas, like you said earlier. Um, yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a a great class for for architects to, to take. Yeah, I find myself even in my um, you know relationship here while we're while we're trying to do this house thing together of like you said, holding holding certain ideas, like this is the idea that I have, and so not listening to other ideas and saying no and saying but a lot, so. You know, just I think I'm going to go for, um, I don't know how long I want to commit to it, but uh, let's say a week of not saying but or no to ideas. So that's no fun. That's no fun when people say, <clears throat> when my husband says but or no to me, to the ideas that I think are pretty great. And I probably do the same thing to him. So anyway, I, I did find some improv acting classes down near where I live now. So maybe I'll have to do that. I find that so it's making me... um feel very anxious thinking about doing it. So that's a sign that I do have to do it. Well, that's why Jessica picked the activities that she picked to do the activities and then to write about the activities. Yeah. I do think it would really help. So maybe I will. I I think it's, you know, I I think talking to Jessica and hearing her story and, and again, the book, the book is fun because it's, it's, it's not a research book per se. She did research the why behind a lot of these things that she did. You know, what's why is this hard? What does this do? That that kind of thing. She talked to to researchers and mentors and others. But this is a book of the things that she did over the course of a year, and it's um, you know, so it's, to me, it was fun following along on her journey. But uh, I, you know, I do like the basic the basic premise, and we talked about that with her. You know, how do I um, how do I get over some of these anxieties, um, you know, different ways that we've talked about it this week? How do I, what do I need to do to, to, uh, get out of my comfort zone, push beyond my comfort zone? Maybe even why should I push beyond my, my comfort zone? This may be too deep of a question to ask you, Jeff, but do you have any anxieties that you feel like you'd like to push beyond? Um, that's a good question. I think, so I think one of the things that I, I need to do and want to do is is get back, right? Get back to where I was pre-pandemic with being, just being comfortable, you know, going going out at the drop of a hat. You know, it's it's my comfort zone. It's my energy level. It's whatever it is. That has a 100% direct effect on my business. And that's, which I think that's a good lesson for small firm architects for small business owners, we've got to do the work. And many times 
doing the work is outside of a lot of our comfort zones. There are some people that love that. Some people that are really good at that. Um, I can teach that all day. I can coach that all day. I can do that all day, but I don't like to do that all day. It's a lot of that is outside of my comfort zone. What about you? I mean, I think I definitely have to be reaching out more to people. And right now I am not doing it partially because I don't want to connect with people so much, but also because I um, am too busy as it is. And so I'm overwhelmed as it is. And I don't feel like, first of all, I have the time to do it. And then second of all, I don't have the, I don't want anybody to call me. I know I say that a lot. And now I keep putting that out into the world that I don't want people to call me. And guess what? Nobody's calling me right now. So I am getting my wish. And supposedly, if this is all a simulation and my thoughts are creating my experience, then I am creating an experience that I'm not going to like in a few months. You know, I don't know what the truth is of the matter, but if I, if I, why not just have a better mindset and then maybe it does affect the outcome. I mean, we all have things, I guess, that we need to work on and things that make us feel uncomfortable. So it's kind of interesting to think about like if I had a 12 uh, month period where I do something different every month like she did to, to kind of get beyond my discomfort. To me, one of the things that comes out of this conversation and out of Jessica's book and the reality of, you know, what is it, what does it take for an introvert to do stand-up or beyond the moth radio hour or you know, any of these things that she did, there's, there's a necessary balance. You know, how do you, how do you expend that kind of effort and then survive? You know, which is kind of what I was talking about. That, that's what was lacking on that day in Chicago was I didn't get the balance. And, um, you know, and to me, li- listening to what you're talking about is there, there's, you're, you've got to find a balance somewhere you know, to make all these things make sense and, and get the rest and, and, and have the income and, you know, all, all of those, there's a lot of facets, right? There's a lot of things to, to consider there, but. I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting approach that she had. And it was interesting to read, of course, mm-hmm. because what she was doing is, is interesting to hear how it went for her. The, the concept is, is kind of, <laughs> I don't know, it's not crazy, but, but wow, hey, here, here's, here's the, all these things that, I don't want to do and, sh- and there were a couple of caveats. They had to be social. Um, hopefully they, they wouldn't kill her, lead her to get murdered, you know, that kind of thing as, as, <laughs> as an extreme. But, you know, think about, and we mentioned this, we talked about this right, I think towards the tail end of our conversation with everybody in this community kind of focused on building their business. That was one of the original taglines of, of Entree Architect. It was about helping small firm architects build better businesses so they could practice their art. There's there's no way to build without growth. And growth is measured in many different ways, not just like the number of people in your firm, et cetera. So I, I conceptually, you know, with, with Jessica going through all of these activities and pushing you know, beyond our comfort zone to do the improv and to do the stand up and to do the, the vulnerability tennis and to go on the trip. And, you know, she's pushing beyond these boundaries, you know, I guess for, in a way, forcing herself to grow. You don't have to like be the way you've always been. You can expand things by just, you know, asking for things or signing up for things if, if you want to do that. I think that is really the biggest thing. 
and also like you I think I think it's I think there's some studies that say you become less introverted over time when you're older and I think it's I just like that idea that you know we're not tied to exactly who we were and I think that um you know some people are like well you shouldn't you shouldn't change yourself like you should be true to yourself but I also feel like what does that even mean? Like, I mean, I'm not the same person I was when I was 12. Like if I was, I'd be a total failure as a person. Like we're constantly changing and evolving. And, um, and if you, I think I, what is some interesting advice I'd read recently was like, even if you're acting differently, like say you, you never go to networking events or you never host a party or something like that. Um, but you want to, and you do it, you're still like, if you're acting as your ideal self is, is this, phrase they use then that actually makes you feel more authentic um than just sort of hiding behind who you have always been um which i think is really interesting i think that with you know if you're trying to expand your business worth networking like you can still use like your introvert superpower which is usually for most people like listening well like um most people want to talk about themselves like if you so if you break the ice first and you ask questions about what they're looking for like people tend to like to like that and they they want to make connections and i think that I mean, as most people know, like, I feel like usually you do get business off of people who just like you or had a connection with you. So I think that is, you could, you could still be an introvert and just listen a lot and be quiet, but still put yourself out there. I, I keep, I keep going back to the idea of, of building a muscle. You know, she said that uh, so, somebody asked a question about, I think, continuing to push in a certain direction. You did this, would you push it further? Would you push it further? And she said, not necessarily. And as, as she was talking about that, I was thinking that makes sense to me, right? If, if she doesn't want to be a stand up comic, yeah, she's not going to keep pushing in that direction. Like she said, she's not going to going to try to do the next step and get on TV or something like that. But the act of the act of pushing beyond her, limits and boundaries and, and comfort level to me that's the important part you know okay mm -hmm. I, i'm i'm pushing and i'm pushing and i'm pushing and i get used to pushing which is mm -hmm. causing me to grow and i think that's a direct i think there's a direct translation to you know to what i was describing before if i get in the habit and build that habit and somehow keep keep that going then yeah, I can I can have a full pipeline and I can have a steady cash flow because I'm putting in the work and I've developed that habit and I keep pushing it even when I don't want to put. So so how do we do that? I guess is is part of the part of the trick. We consume you and I consume many in our in our community in our audience consume a lot of content. You know, a, a book a month, which I. I don't necessarily consider that a lot, but when you combine it with everything else, you know, you and I are preparing every week for a new speaker. So we may be reading another book. We may be um, listening to Jessica Pan, um, listening to her um, uh, performance at, at uh, The Moth, or maybe listening to podcast interviews. You know, we when we consume that much content, one, it's hard to remember but two, it's hard to act on. You know, we may be in a little bit of a unique situation, but I think that's a reality for a lot of people. There are a lot of people that I know that are great consumers of of information, of content. 
and not to be judgmental, but are not great actors on that. Right. Well, that would be me. That's a lot of people. Not this time though. I'm going to go take the improv class. All right. I'll be looking, I'll be looking forward to her book is called, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. One of the subtitles is an introvert's year of living dangerously. So basically, um, she picked out a bunch of, a bunch of activities that she didn't want to do. They're all social activities. That was one of the, one of the rules. They had to be social activities. Uh, and she spent the year doing these things. And then of course, documenting them for the book. It's, it's a great read. It really is. She, it's well-written, inspiring. It's funny. It's, it's a lot of things, but it's, it's worth your time to check it out. Especially if you're an introvert, we, we learn there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. That's not the point at all. Um, these are her experiences and these were her attempts to push herself beyond, um, maybe her, her past boundaries as her own brand of, of, um, her own personal brand of introvert. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, Give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of context and clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. 
Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.